everyone, and welcome to the Homicide Homegirls podcast, a weekly true crime podcast examining the true crime cases that fascinate and intrigue us. I'm Arielle. And I'm Amanda. Thanks for joining us. We can't wait to share the details of this wild episode with you. Welcome back, listeners. Hey, homies. Um, That's so what I'm going to refer to our listeners as. Homies. homies. <laughs> you homies. know, it's a broad term. Or homegirls and homeboys. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever you prefer. Um, so we're just going to jump right in today. Um, we don't have any announcements or anything like that. So today we're going to discuss a series of unsolved murders in Clay County, Florida. So going back to Florida again. Yeah. We were in Gulf Canada. states. We are Canada last week. Florida this week. We've done Louisiana. Quite a few times. Alabama. Uh, Alabama. Alabama and Georgia, I think, were uh, the Neelys. Oh, right. Then we've done... Georgia. Georgia. A couple times. Florida. Florida. A couple times. Texas. Texas. A couple times. <laughs> Canada. Once. Have Once. we Have we done Mississippi? No, not yet. Stay tuned. Yes, yeah, stay tuned. Anyway... Uh, originally, I was planning to do the episode on the 2007 murders of Chelsea Roan and Matthew Brumbaugh, but there wasn't really enough for a full episode, and I know we talked about this last week, you know, sometimes I hate you... When that happens. Right. Sometimes you get into the research, and you're like, uh, there's you not really go, enough here. And you have to go back to square one. Right. And pick an episode, which is the worst part. Right. Or the and, hardest part. Right. And I thought that is kind of where I was on this episode, on, you know, in this episode. With until, your original. With my original plan with mm-hmm. Chelsea and Matthew's murder. Until I realized that, um, that this double murder was one of four unsolved cases in Clay County, Florida. So I just, hmm? <laughs> dun dun. <laughs> um, so I decided to do the episode on all four unsolved cases. Hmm. It's a little different. Right. Kind of like our uh, a compilation episode. Uh, uh, kind of like Leesville, right? Episode two. Um, but, you know, we've come a long way since then. So. Uh, retweet. Uh, so, today we're going to talk about the 1990 murder of Terrell Orcutt, the 2001 murder of Jennifer Metternach, the 2007 double murders of Chelsea Roan and Matthew Brumbaugh, which I previously mentioned, mm-hmm. and last but not least, the 2009 murder of Mark Gregg. So... Um, I figured the best way would be to go chronologically. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start with the 1990 murder of Terrell Orcutt. So um, since we have four cases, I don't have too much background on these like we usually mm-hmm. do. So I'm literally going to jump right into the murders. On the morning of January 21st, 1990, around 4.30 a.m., 26-year-old Terrell Orcutt was heading home from her boyfriend's home in Jacksonville, Florida, to her home in Middleburg, Florida. And I looked this up on Google Maps, and Middleburg is about 32 miles from Jacksonville, so mm-hmm. about like a 33-minute drive. Okay. So it shouldn't have taken her till about 5 a.m. She should have been home. Ish. Yep. Right. Uh, but she never made it. A man found Terrell's car on, on the side of County Road 218 in Middleburg while on his way home from work. So, so she, she made it to Middleburg, home. right? And I don't know her exact address. And I thought about this earlier when I was reviewing this. You know, before before we record, I generally read over it one more time. Right. Um, I didn't know her actual address to compare, like how close she was to home. But she, but was, she was in the same town. She was almost there, right? So, 
He found that the passenger side door was wide open. The driver's side window was down. Her purse was still on the front seat with cash and credit cards still inside right next to a spilled drink. Suspicious. Right. So that makes it seem to me that robbery wasn't a motive because no. they left all her money. But the spilled Even drink, the spilled is, drink is it a struggle? Right, or exactly. was it a struggle? Exactly. Huh. That's what I was about to say. That the oh. spilled drink makes me think that there was a struggle Telepathy. of some sort. Telepathy in full effect. Right. Um, and uh, Terrell's prescription glasses were found on the ground outside of the car. Another sign. Another of sign of a struggle. struggle. The engine of her 1989 red Thunderbird was still running. Keys in the ignition. Right. And still, still running. running. Right. Hmm. So, um, the man contacted police about the car, and um, investiga- investigators quickly got their first break when residents in a home about, like, 500 feet, I think, from um, from the road or from where the car was found, they told the residents told investigators that they heard a woman yelling early that morning. According to Detective Rob Schoonover with the Clay County Sheriff's Office Cold Case Division in a July 2018 article on firstcoastnews.com, quote, two people heard a female saying, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, and then heard a car, a car pull off, end quote. Uh, really quick, Detective Schoonover is the detective working on all four unsolved cases that we're going to talk about today. Gotcha. So, I'm going to quote him a lot, and he comes up a lot, because he's the one working on I'm probably jumping ahead, but, like, these people that heard such and such happen, Mm -hmm. did they, like, they didn't call? I think they only, I mean, maybe it happened so fast, because the car was still running, but, like, if you see something, say something. Right, I don't, and I don't know, I guess maybe they didn't call 911. I, but but being that they live off of a very busy road, they probably hear stuff all the time. I'm sorry if I if I if it was a very busy road and I was still able to hear that. Yeah, true. true. I mean, it must have been. Yeah. Serious. Yeah, I, and I'm not sure. I don't think they called nine one one. You know, quick to judge. So. Right. <laughs> so would the residents say that they heard? You know, the woman saying, "I didn't do it. I didn't do it," and then a car runner pulling off. Um, that's led to rumors and speculation that a law enforcement officer oh, may have been involved in her abduction. I say, why would she pull over? Like, why would she mm-hmm. be on the side of the road that early having a, co- a discussion with somebody? Right. And, and we'll go. We'll kind of go into that. Um, hmm. So the police formed a search party and began searching in the areas surrounding her car, uh, looking for her, but they never found anything. No Terrell, no evidence, no nothing. To this day? No, at that point. Oh, sorry. I ruined it, guys. So, on January 28th, 1990, just seven days after she had gone missing, Terrell's body was found off of Lee Road, less than four miles from where her car was found. Oh, wow. Her partially nude body was found about 50 feet into the tree line off of the road, not covered or hidden, just dumped. You know what? This is way off topic. Not really, but like driving to your house today along I-10, I was looking at the, the, the tree line and I was like, do you realize how, like somebody could just, there's always like disabled mm-hmm. vehicles and like at the middle of the night, mm-hmm. I was like, how many, how would you ever know? Right. Cause you're driving like 70, 70 80 miles, plus an, miles hour. an hour. Right. It's like, oh. dude, I don't, I was like, I'm a weirdo. 
keep driving, Amanda. <laughs> like, oh, now I'm gonna think about that. I know, cause then you like. Hopefully, see you didn't give anybody an idea. Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> this is not an accomplice, but I was like, cause like you'll see like bags of trash, and you're like, oh, it's a body. Right. And then I was like, wait a minute. What about into the woods? Right. Mm-hmm. Cause that's all state land, and I know a lot of people go hunting out there too. So, so yeah, maybe a maybe a hunter would find it if you you know. But it's a lot of land. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Add here. Yeah. So, um, Terrell's body was discovered by two boys riding an ATV, all-terrain vehicle. Um, uh, and according to most reports, she was found wearing only underwear, socks, and shoes. So. When they say partially nude, they mean mostly nude. Right. Um, her body was sent to the local medical examiner's office for an autopsy, where the ME determined that she had two stab wounds to the chest and a broken clavicle on her left side. Oh, jeez. Now, the fact that she had a broken clavicle on the left side just made the rumor mills stir even more because, you know... You could probably get that from someone pulling her out of the vehicle. Right, I guess. Like, out of the, out of the driver's window that yeah. was open. That's like collarbone. Right. Yeah, clavicle is your collarbone. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, that led to more speculation that she was pulled out of that open window by an assailant. Hmm. So, it's just something. Food so, for thought. So, her driver window was open, passenger door. door. Mm-hmm. Got it. Car was running. Paint the picture here. Yeah. And um, I have a picture of the car. I will post it, and you can see that the door is open. Oh wow! I guess they did. They took pictures and didn't didn't you know mess with the crime scene or anything? Because I mean, it was a crime scene. Well, technically, I guess it's a crime scene if it's an abduction, right? It would still be I considered mean, a crime scene. I mean, if that was scene. her last known whereabouts, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, due to the state of decomposition when her body was discovered. Detectives were unable to ascertain whether or not she was sexually assaulted, although the, it was seven the, days, right? Right, a week in the in the elements, and I mean, Florida is pretty humid, and in January, yeah, and even in January, it's not that cold. No. Like Florida doesn't get very cold like, usually. We don't even get winter. No, um, but pathologists believe that she may have been sexually assaulted, but there's there was no way to tell. So, over the years really decades you know it'll be 30 years in january don't remind me that we're about to be 30 i know we're, we turn 30 next year i'm not looking forward to it no. but anyway um and she was 26 when she was murdered so her case has been unsolved longer than she was on this earth Dang. that's really sad anyway um so there's been a lot of persons of interest but no specific suspects so, her ex-husband and her boyfriend were both cleared as suspects. And over the years, rumors have surfaced that an officer pulled Terrell over that day. But the Clay County Sheriff's Office has said that all his officers were accounted for that day. And you know I love a good conspiracy theory, so here we go. Give me the tea. So, her car was found running. With the passenger door open and the driver's side window down. Why would she have left her driver's side window down at 4.30 a.m.? I mean, unless she was a smoker, but I don't know. I don't understand, and I'm probably jumping the gun, her door, her passenger door. I don't know either. But, I mean, one option for her window being down, 
the obvious one could be that she was pulled over by a police officer. Yes, sir, officer. That's I mean, you put your window down. Right. And then there's that broken left clavicle. I mean, could she could she have been pulled out of the driver's side window by her assailant, like, forcefully? Yeah, I guess I'd have to see exactly, like, what her x-ray looked like to understand. Right. Like, how? I guess if you're yanking them and you pull it the wrong way. Like, if you pull, say you're pulling her from under her arms to pull her out. If you pop her arm up the wrong way, it could probably break your... I mean, I'm not, I'm, I don't know. Or, I'm thinking, like, when you put somebody on the car. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. when you, like, put them face down on the car. Or like, even if, yeah. Right. Turn, I mean, like, try to cough them. Because you, you try to hold down mm-hmm. their shoulders from. Right. So, you, I guess you could easily break mm-hmm. their shoulder that way. That's a good idea. That's a, not an idea, but that's a good. Theory. Yeah, theory. I didn't even think about Sometimes that. Sometimes I'm smart. <laughs> so, secondly, her passenger door was found open. I mean, could she have, like, crawled over in order to try to escape somebody, spilling her drink? Ding, ding, ding. Sorry, you know, no. I'm on board with this. You know, like, I mean, what if somebody was coming after her, like a cop, maybe, who pulled her over? Maybe she didn't want to get out the vehicle, and they were, like, coming mm. after her, trying to I pull a, her out, and she went out the other way. I had a brief moment where I thought maybe it was, like, a not, like, a ride-along, but, like, a, a two-cop unit. Hmm. But but if they were allegedly accounted for, right? Like I said, and I don't. I mean, yeah. working in nine one one, I know that I can. There's GPS on all their units. There's um, radio traffic. If, right. If, I mean, that's if they called in the traffic stop. I have no clue what yeah. it was like in nineteen ninety. Right. And I mean, of course, Clay County is going to say that all their officers were accounted for that day, even if they weren't. Mm-hmm. Like, how often have we seen police cover ups? Yeah. You know, I mean. And people, people tend to protect their own, mm-hmm. but let me stop and say I am not in any way, shape, or form accusing anyone of anything. You know, I'm just... We're bouncing ideas right, around. Just throwing stuff at the wall, seeing what sticks. Um, but people have also speculated that it could have been someone who was impersonating or posing as an officer. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've seen, we've seen that time and time again, too. We just saw that last month on I-10. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. But either way, whether she was pulled over by a police officer, you know, someone impersonating a police officer, or she stopped for some other reason, um, I highly doubt she left her car of her own free will. No. You know, and I just hope that the police can finally figure out who murdered her so her family can have some closure. Right. You know, like, her mother and her brother both passed away never knowing who murdered her or what happened and the 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 sucky part that you have to like come to terms with is like her killer might not even be alive anymore true that's very this was 30 years ago so she does have a sister left who is still like very very vocal about finding justice Mm -hmm. you know for her sister and getting justice so um according to a july 2018 article on firstcoastnews.com Detective Schoonover was planning to speak to the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, um, their technicians, to determine which pieces of evidence, if any, in her case can be retested for with, you know, the advanced DNA right. testing. Because DNA has come a long way in the past 30 years. Um, but I haven't seen an update on if this testing has ever been done or right. if they even could do it or what the results were. Right. But I'll keep an eye out on that. And if anything changes, I'll be sure do to they update have everybody. Any type of Facebook group 
if you'd like to follow, <laughs> if you'd like to follow the case, uh, her family does. They continue to fight for justice, and they have a Facebook page called Justice for Terrell or Terrell Lynn Steele Orcut. Uh, so you can follow that if you'd like updates on the page. Um, and actually, I was looking at the page, and I found a post from her sister on October 12th of this year that gave some insight into who she was kind of as a person. Like I said, we didn't have much background. Right. So um, it's a little lengthy, mm-hmm. but if you want to read it, you can go ahead and read it. So I just, I think it's, like I said, it gives us some insight into her as a person. Alrighty. So <clears throat> here I go. Uh, quote, it's been 30 years this coming up January. I think this one will be super hard for me due to nothing getting done. She was such a good person. I know people say that about dead people all the time. I've seen it and heard it when I knew that person was an a-hole. But I'm really not being that way. She really was a super sweet person. A little nervous and high-strung, but a good person. Straight A's in school. Came home by curfew every time. Didn't run the streets or with people that were wild. All of her friends, for the most part, were decent girls. Most of them were career-minded women like her, with plans for the future. Terrell loved kids so much, was was an avid pro-lifer, no matter what. She would say, quote, it's only nine months out of your whole life, quote, or, quote, I'll take the baby if you don't want it, quote. I never heard her say anything even remotely racist, not even jokingly. She was raised in a mixed culture, being military. We didn't even know there was such a thing, even in the 60s. The only reason she went out to clubs was to go dancing. Some go to pick up on guys or try to find the right guy. Ha 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 ha. But she wanted to dance and hang out with those she loved, like her girlfriends or me, or our little brother, who could dance really well. He was always willing to go out with us. She would go with the girls or even mom to see the male strippers, but was way too shy to give them money or sit up front. She did enjoy enjoy seeing her friends do that, though. She was terrified of the tiniest spider and thunder. Loved My Little Pony. She had a collection of them. Pegacorns were her favorite. She was a pacifist. She felt things could be talked out. You wouldn't see her ever get upset unless someone messed with her family or friends or hurt someone or something something that couldn't fight back like a child or animal. She wouldn't do anything to them. She would get me or our little brother to take care of it for her. She would have made a great, quote, godfather in the way she never got her hands dirty, lol. I don't remember her ever getting spanked as a child. She really never disobeyed, nor was she spoiled acting as in thinking anyone owes her or entitled. She earned everything she had, whether it was cars or clothes, and she gave away more than she kept. Even as a kid, she didn't do stuff like steal candy or throw fits or even cry when she didn't get her way. I think she just knew no meant no meant no somehow. She never tested those boundaries like the rest of us did. She was feisty and headstrong, but always with a laugh or smile. I miss seeing her and our little brother play fight. They did this right up till she was killed. It didn't matter, they were both grown. She would skip class on occasion, and I would have to remind her that she was in college and was allowed to. Well, don't tell mom, she would say. I roll with a sigh, was my response. End quote. So sad. I know. But like I said, I didn't have much background in these, so I felt like that was really important to, you know, see. Yeah. 
a little bit a good little about her. And it, sorry it was long, but, you know. Yeah, and I didn't write it, so it was a little difficult. Right. So that's kind of it. That's kind of where we are. We don't really know anything. But, you know, like I said, Detective Shunover is looking through all of these, going through all four of these cases and, you know, very actively trying to, right. to get them solved and bring some closure to the families. So, the next unsolved Clay County case we will discuss is the 2001 murder of Jennifer Metternach. In 2001, 14-year-old Jennifer Metternach lived with her mother in the Woodland Estates Mobile Home Park. So, she was three years older than us? Mm -hmm. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Um, So, they lived in the Woodland Estates Mobile Home Park off 103rd Street in Jacksonville, Florida. Um... Detective Shunover said that many people knew Jennifer and her mother really well. Um, I think it was a really, like, it was a, I'm pretty sure, yeah, mobile home park. So it was, like, I guess a trailer park. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were kind of, like, a tight-knit community. Kind of like, Maybe I guess, Martha Jean. Yeah. Like, Martha Jean's episode. So Detective Shunover continued saying some of the adult men in the mobile home park were seen hanging around Jennifer. And she was spotted at a party in the days leading up to her death. Mm-mm. Per Detective Shunover, quote, there were parties going on where she was present with illegal drugs, end quote. Once again, 14. If you see something, say something. Right. So, Jennifer Metternach left her Westside home on November 1st, 2001, after having an argument with her mother over cleaning her room. That's never good. Typical teenage stuff. Yeah, but usually when there's an argument. But after the argument with her mom, she did end up cleaning up her room. She kissed her mom on the cheek and said, quote, I love you, I'll see you later, end quote. But Jennifer never returned. So she was reported missing by her mother on November 5th. What? 2001. Hold up. Four days. Mm. <laughs> like, why did her mother wait four days to report her 14-year-old missing? I don't... I don't know. And I think I did read somewhere that she would do that. Like, she would go stay with friends for a couple days. But I think the hell not. Right. Like, my mom would have come over there and drug me home by my hair. Mm-mm. And if I was staying somewhere, my mama knew where. My mom always knew where I was. You know, like, I was just never knowing. It wouldn't take my mom before. I mean, I'm not. I'm yeah. not trying to be ugly, but. I don't. That, that was my first thought, too. Why did it take her four days to report her daughter missing? But the initial report listed Jennifer as a possible runaway. Why is this always the first thing police think when a teenager goes missing? That's what I'm saying. That frustrates me. I was saying that. I was like, it's never good when there's an argument and she leaves. Right. Maybe her mom just assumed, like, oh, she's blowing off steam. She'll be back. But four days? But she's like, I love you. Bye. Right. I can't. Yeah. That would not be me. So, like I said, she was listed as a possible runaway, but obviously that wasn't the case. Her body was found three days later by a couple who was fishing in Long Branch Creek in Clay County. Uh, Her body was found in the water below a bridge in a desolate area along County Road 217. And at first I was like, wait, is that the same place Terrell's car was found? But that was County Road 218. I was about to say. This is 217. But they were, oh, this was in Jacksonville. Yeah. Detectives believe that Jennifer's body was likely dumped off of the bridge. She was found completely naked with multiple stab wounds. Wait a minute. Pattern? 
I don't think they're related. No? No, I don't. Okay. Or, or, or the detectives haven't said that okay. they were related. Um, but detectives believe that she bled to death. And the medical examiner later stated that Jennifer had been stabbed to death. But she was 14. So young. Um, underneath Jennifer's body, investigators found the handle of a knife with strands of her hair wrapped oh, around it. Jesus. Police believe that this was the murder weapon, but the blade has never been recovered. So it was just like the, the handle, handle. Not the knife. Like, not the actual what blade. What the heck? Yeah, like, how do you separate that? I didn't even realize that was, like, a thing. Unless it, I mean, I, I guess the autopsy would reveal how... How long the knife would have been. Or, like, how, like, violent the, the wound. I don't know if that's the word I'm trying to find. But, like, was he, was she stabbed so forcefully that it broke? Oh, I don't know. Because I know that doesn't happen. Then, I don't know, but then maybe it would have been in her, in, like, recovered. In, True. I don't know. I'm so, not a medical examiner. <laughs> the knife handle was one of several pieces of evidence collected from the scene. So, this happened in 2001. In May of 2013, so pretty recently, about six years ago, Clay County deputies in the Florida Department of Law Enforcement performed a search on a home at 200 McClellan Road looking for possible evidence related to her murder. However, nothing was found. Uh, this home that was searched was approximately two miles away from where her body was found. Mm. And I did Google search this address, just trying to see if I could figure out who lived there, who lived there at that time, why they would be searching that house, but I couldn't find anything. Wait, so how far um, do we know where she lived exactly? I didn't look at that. Yeah. Because um, we don't know where she went when she left. Right. We know where she lived. We don't know where she was when she was abducted. Or when she yeah. went missing because it took her mom four days. And we, I guess, because we, we don't know, know she, she was at a friend's house. Like how she... far this McLellan address is from her address. Yeah, I don't know. We know it's two miles from where her body was found. Right. But... So a couple months later, in September of 2013, um, deputies and a dive team in Clay County performed another search for evidence, but this time in the creek where her body was found. Right. Um, police have said that they had training scheduled anyway, so they took the opportunity to search the creek again, which they've searched before. Mm-hmm. But this time they had, like, updated equipment, better equipment than they had 12 years ago. Right. So one diver said searchers found some things during the search that were underneath the dirt a foot or two, uh, you know, below the dirt, like on the floor uh-huh. of the, I guess on the floor, the floor of the creek. Um they found some things, but they weren't related to the case. Of course. Yeah. And then divers said they found a padlock and a pocket knife that they were going to hold on to just in case. Yeah. But from what I could find, these items haven't led to any particular person or any leads or anything like that. Um, I mean, they've only been underwater for at least a dozen years, if it is related to that case. Right. According to a 2013 article on news4jacks.com, Jennifer's mother had passed away at some point prior to that article in 2013. I feel like we've used that website before. Probably. <laughs> I think I did for um, Martha Jean. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. Because that was in the same area. Uh, well, not the same area, but like not the same county. The okay. same I gotcha. the general vicinity. Um. I mean, that's so sad to me. She died without knowing what happened to her daughter. 
You know, mm-hmm. much like Terrell's Maybe mom. Maybe she shouldn't have waited four days. That's just me. You're terrible. So, there have never been any official suspects in Jennifer's murder that have been, like, made to, made to made known to the public. But Detective Shunover says there are people he's looking at closely, telling FirstCoastNews.com, quote, To this day, there are a couple of individuals that are persons of interest and high on the list, end quote. Um, so, according to an article on FirstCoastNews.com, the Clay County Sheriff's Office still has evidence, including that knife handle that they're planning to resubmit for DNA testing, but this was from a November 2018 article, so about a year ago, but I haven't seen anything else on, like, the results, so yeah, still a big question mark. Maybe they're zoning in. Yeah, maybe so. And, I mean, it is still an unsolved ongoing case, so if they do have anything, they're probably holding it really close to the chest until they can get it solved. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But, that, like I said, that's kind of it. I mean, and I didn't find a Facebook page for her or anything, but, I mean, her mom has since passed away. I don't think she had any siblings, and I don't know. Her dad was still alive in 2013, but I don't know if he is still alive today. Right. I don't know. So, now we're going to talk about the unsolved murders that I was originally going to cover for this episode, the double murder of Chelsea Rowan and Matthew Brumbaugh. So, on April 24, 2007... Chelsea Roan, who was 16, and Matthew Brumbaugh, 21, were brutally murdered sometime between the hours of midnight and 2.30 a.m. at the home they were renting, which was located at 1723 Jean Court in Middleburg, Florida. Middleburg again. Wait a minute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was terrible. Right. So, both Chelsea and Matt were apparently down on their knees facing the killer or killers when they were shot in the head at close range execution style. So it's a different form of uh, murder. Mm-hmm. Uh. Chelsea was found near the door of the of the house and Matt was found by an open safe. Oh no. So Detective Schoonover uh, the one we've talked about who's reinvestigating the case um, he told firstcoastnews.com in a February 2019 article, so really, really recent, oh, wow. that there were drugs being sold from the home at the time of the murders. Robbery. Right. So it's, I mean, there are like a plethora of yeah. theories that you could have when it comes to that. Um, so it was believed that Chelsea was aware of the drug dealing because she was living in the home, but that there's no evidence that she was actively involved in dealing the drugs. So who are they to one another? I'll get there in like a second. Um, so yeah, like I said, they didn't think that Chelsea was involved in the drug dealing, but Matt had a history of dealing drugs. So Detective Shunover told FirstCoastNews.com, quote, someone was either inside their home waiting on them or got to the home when they were there and shot both of them, end quote. And they've even called this an execution, not mm-hmm. just a murder, an execution. That's mm-hmm. what it seemed like to them. Um, so Detective Schoonover continued and elaborated on the illicit drug activity that was happening at the home, saying, quote, It wasn't a secret to the people that lived out there. Chelsea was sixteen, but she had previously married and several in <laughs> several weeks prior to this they split up and Matt was a friend of both of them, so he took her in to live with him, end quote. But Detective Schoonover further emphasized that Chelsea and Matt were absolutely not romantically involved 
So she was she just married. needed and she just needed a place to stay. Right, because her and her husband were like estranged. Husband oh, at sixteen, Jesus. Yeah, but apparently, um, at the time of her death, Chelsea was estranged from her husband, who had been married. They had only been married about seven months. Her, oh well, I guess so. <laughs> what sixteen year olds are ready for marriage? Yeah. So her maiden name is Shade, Chelsea Shade. Roan is her married name. Okay. Um, <clears throat> she'd only been staying with Matt for like a very, very short time before she was killed. And I did read that apparently, like, her parents signed off on it. So, like, it wasn't, which, I mean, you have to when you're that young. You know, like, you need parental consent. And what what about her husband? Her, is he, uh, in the spotlight? Um, he was interviewed. Um, I think I say that. Girl, go on about your business, because, you know, I screw everything up. Yeah. This is, this part's a little crazy. It been crazy, girl. (laughs) Every single episode. <laughs> so, Chelsea and Matt's roommate found the bodies when he got home from work around, like, 2.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. That's why they think between midnight and 2.30, because 2.30 is when he got home. Did, um... However, he did not immediately call the police. Because he's shady. Instead, the roommate went across the street to enlist the help of a friend to clean up the apartment before dialing 911. Clean it up of what? They're thinking because it was, like, a drug house that they were trying to, I guess, clean up. I'll tell you. Trying to, People are so I guess, dumb. People I are guess, so like, dumb. you know why? Protect. If somebody was murdered. It doesn't matter at that point. No, right? because their main focus is the murder. Right. Whatever. But I think he was trying to protect, like, the reputations of Chelsea and Matt. But it doesn't matter. Like, like you, you've possibly hindered this investigation. Yeah, you big time. A cri- contaminated crime scene. Right. Did they? Did they? So he was okay. nice and safe when he was shot. Did they locate any drugs on him, or were they stolen? They didn't uh, say. I didn't. They didn't say if they saw. Oh, because it's unsolved. They keep all that stuff a secret. But I mean, but by doing this, you know, cleaning up the crime scene, a lot of evidence was disturbed being moved cleaned that's always kind of been a big issue with this case Mm -hmm. so detective shunover like i already said he he thinks that the room was just trying to protect his friend's images since the house was like a known drug house Mm -hmm. but that's not that shouldn't be your priority your i mean your priority is that your friends just got freaking murdered like call the cops you know yeah um, so, but according to neighbors at the time of the double murders, uh, people came and went from that house, like, at all hours of the night, and late night parties were a common occurrence, like, they were always having the cops called because they were having parties, you know, just kind of crazy. Um, and although the roommate not immediately calling police is really sketchy, um, he was, he had an alibi that checked out, and he was rolled out. Yeah, I didn't jump to him. Being, no, uh, but he he ruined it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who knows what what he could have mm-hmm. cleaned up, and I mean, who knows if something that he cleaned up or moved or did would've whatever, been yeah. right? Or would have solved it. I mean, really. And detectives have also interviewed like numerous people, including her estranged husband. Um, but I don't believe he's currently considered a suspect or a person of interest. But like, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Right. But I mean, I do feel for him. Like, I mean. His wife and one of his really good friends were both murdered. Yeah. So. Hmm. Yeah. 
But, like I said, I don't think he's a suspect or a person of interest, so. Um, they didn't say why they split up. Mm-mm. Investigators, uh, they quickly rolled out a murder-suicide, but they weren't really sure of the motive. Like, was this a drug deal gone bad? Was it personal? So, they still aren't sure 12 years later. What? Right. <clears throat> and, like I said, this is one of only four unsolved homicides in Clay County as of February 2019, so, which is the whole point of this episode. But, um, so Detective Schoonover is hopeful that new technology could bring Chelsea and Matt's killer to justice. Apparently there's some new technology called vacuum metal deposition, and it's this powerful fingerprint detection method that can be used on evidence that is up to two decades old. Holy crap. So currently investigators have shell casings and other evidence from the scene that is set to be tested. Okay. Um, but this was from an article in February of this year, and I'm not sure where they are on that testing. So that's, that's I mean, that's kind of where it ends for now, you know. Um, there haven't been any arrests, but like I said, the detective is really hopeful that these advances in technology and possibly new tips mm-hmm. could help solve the case. And he's adamant that somebody somewhere knows something yeah as many people have frequented that house right and it's just a matter of time before someone comes forward with something that could help break the case open um and like we talk about this all the time it might be somebody down the line gets in trouble with the law somehow and they're like oh well i have this nugget of information that i can you know if you're lenient on me or let's like let's make a deal basically you know and i'll give you this information so and that happens a lot yeah you know and if you're interested, there is a Facebook page dedicated to Chelsea and Matt called Justice for the number four. Matthew Brumbaugh and Chelsea Shade. They're using her maiden name. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't look like it's very active. But I just thought I'd mention it. Right. Um, I think the last time they posted was sometime in 2018. So it's not very, not as active as uh, Terrell's pages. Because gotcha. her page is very, very active. Her mm-hmm. sister is very active. Um so, last but not least, we're going to talk about the unsolved murder of Mark Gregg. Now, this is probably the case that I have the least amount on. There really isn't much. Uh, most of my information came from a 2015 article on Jacksonville.com. So, on April 18, 2009, around 9 p.m., 54-year-old disabled truck driver uh, Mark Gregg's wife returned home from a day of gambling at internet cafes in Jacksonville, Florida, or from running errands. I don't know. I've seen both, so I'm not sure which one is correct, so I'm going to say both. Um, I just wanted to mention both of them. But anyway, his wife returned home to find her husband dead in their home with apparent gunshot wounds. He had been shot multiple times with a 12-gauge shotgun oh at God. close range. So that rules out suicide. Right. Sometime during the day inside their home in Green Cove Springs, Florida. And there was this distinctive-looking Armsoul Striker 12-gauge shotgun. And I'm not very... I, I don't know much about guns, but um, I found a picture of it. Um, this shotgun had a revolving ammunition cylinder, so apparently it's like a street sweeper. And I was talking to my husband about it earlier, I was like, what, do you know what a street sweeper is? He's like, yeah, it's like a semi-automatic rifle where you can just, like, rounds are constantly coming out and, like, you know, you sweep the street, you know, you can, like, go left and go right. But it was semi-automatic. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think so. Yeah. 
So that gun was missing from Greg's small gun collection. He had a license to legally own this semi-automatic shotgun and that appeared to be the only firearm missing from his home and police have never located that gun and believe that it's the murder weapon. Oh wow. So like what, you're sitting in your house minding your own business, somebody comes in, steals your your gun, shoots you with your gun, and then leaves with your gun. Like that makes me think it had to have been somebody that he knew. Like mm-hmm. that knew he had this this gun. Yeah, that's hmm. And I don't know. As I said before, he was disabled and used a cane and had limited oh, mobility no. due to a back injury. So, like, he was pretty helpless. I mean, yeah. his wife um, apparently moved out of Florida after his murder, um, was unemployed, and according to the 2015 article, the couple lived off of his disability income. Oh, no. Money that was sent from his wife's family, and then they pawned items from time to time to pay their bills. So once he passed away, she didn't get that income anymore. Right. And police found no signs of forced entry to the home, but a jewelry box appeared to have been tossed over and some cigarettes were missing. Uh-huh. But, and the gun. Yeah. Obviously, but um, according to Detective Rob Schoonover, um, who as I said is working on all these unsolved cases, there wasn't much by way of the evidence, like nothing at the scene to really process. But it still blows my mind, like, it had to have been somebody that knew him to know that he, to use his own gun against right. him. Right. Oh, like, I'm curious to, to know where he kept it. I was about to say that, like, I don't think you would keep that kind of weapon just hanging out. You know, like, right there next to the recliner. Right, like hanging, you know, just chilling. So, like, that also makes me think it's somebody that knew him, you know? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's it was... somebody that knew, maybe... That so, knew he had that gun? Or, yeah, or this might be a stretch that knew he, his wife wasn't home or wasn't going to be home. Or that she, yeah, generally, yeah. Or maybe it was a wife. Dun, dun, dun. Right. I don't know. I don't know if they ever, like, rolled her out. I haven't seen much, but... So, I watched um, a YouTube video of a Facebook Live video interview um, from March 26th of this year. 2019, that Project Cold case did with Detective Rob Schoonover and really quick, um, Project Cold case is just, it, I think they're like a non-profit, uh-huh. and they, you can send in information to them on a cold case, and they'll like post it on their Facebook page, or, or sometimes, they do Facebook live videos, I think every Monday, maybe, mm-hmm. um, and then they post their Facebook live feed to YouTube, to YouTube so that's where I found this, but he said, Detective Junover said that Greg's case is the only case of the four that he hasn't really had a chance to look into. Okay. Yet, but um, he's it's on like it's on his to do list, mm-hmm. and he said that there are persons of interest in this case, but he didn't say who they were, which it's still an unsolved case. I mean, oh. they're gonna hold that play that close to the chest, you know. It's an open investigation, so I mean, I'll just kind of keep an eye out for that. Maybe set up some Google alerts. Mm-hmm. Actually, I might set up one up for uh. Detective Shunover that way. Oh, yeah. Like, Rob Shunover that way. When he comes up, if it's related to any of the cases, instead of setting up four separate ones. Right. Um, but that's kind of it. I mean, his is like, there's nothing. So, but like I said, I am, I would, I would be surprised 
if it was just some random person because they think that his own gun was the murder weapon. Somebody had to have known, unless he was a really irresponsible gun owner and just headed out wherever mm. anybody could get to it, you know? I don't know if he would be a, a irresponsible gun owner considering he had to have a license to own that one, so... Right, like, I don't think... I don't right. think that. I mean, yeah, like, he... It was registered, he had a license yeah. to own it, and... That seems pretty responsible to me, at least. Right, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't... I don't think he would just have it laying around. Like right. you said, chilling in the recliner with yeah. the semi-automatic like weapon. Like, somebody knocks on the door, who's that? You know, like, right. not, you know. Right. So, like, it's just... It's really sad that there's not much... I know. This is one of... This is a different type of case, um, episode for us. I know. It's weird. Oh, there are, like, no answers. None. I, I don't like it. <laughs> right. So... Name if you have hmm? name that movie, I really don't like it. No, I don't. Oh, the Grinch. <laughs> so, if you have any information that could help investigators solve the murders of Terrell Orcutt, Jennifer Betterneck, Chelsea Roan, and Matthew Brumbaugh, or Matt Mark Gregg, please contact the Clay County Sheriff's Office at nine zero four two six four. Six five one two. Alternatively, you can also anonymously report to First Coast Crime Stoppers at one eight six six eight four five TIPS T I P S. That's the case of the unsolved murders in Clay County, Florida. Thank you for listening to Homicide Homegirls. If you enjoyed today's episode, head on over to our Facebook page and leave us a review or rate us on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. If you want to be the first to know when an episode is released, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Homicide Homegirls, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Homicide Homegirls Podcast, and Twitter at Homegirls Pod. If you would like to suggest an episode, use the form located on our Facebook page. Once a month, we plan to answer fan-submitted questions in a segment we like to call hashtag AskTheHomegirls. So be sure to use the form on our Facebook page to submit your questions.